Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. This is the How to Trade It podcast. We talk about the real stories behind successful traders. You will learn the strategies that the best traders use in today's markets. And we get those experts to show us how to trade it. Hello, welcome to the How to Trade It podcast, and today I'm very excited to be with Dan Sheridan, the founder of Sheridan Mentoring. Thanks for being on the show today, Dan. Oh, you're welcome, Casey. Glad to be here. I'm very excited about having you on the show. I'm excited about all my guests. However, I'm very, very excited about having you just because of all of your experience, and I feel like a guy like you we should listen to because you've been around a long time and for you to still be here and still making forward progress after all these years, you've probably got a lot to say, right? Well, I've got a lot to say maybe because of my Irish background. Of I like to talk, but I think, you know, to me, experience, whatever the field is, to me, I look at a little more practically as I've had the privilege and honor of making a lot more mistakes than others as I learn the the craft here. You know, the, the key in life as an options or whatever industry somebody's in is to learn from your mistakes. And so, you know, what's key in the options business, particularly, Casey, is that you stay humble. You're always learning. I learn from every student. And you learn and, you know, as in life, we try not to make the same mistake over. So what I try to in part as a teacher, is, hey, if you're going to do this strategy, I've got a great backlog of mistakes I've made with this as I was learning. And, you know, you can be very emphatic, do not do this with a with this particular strategy or do this. So just wanted to kind of demystify. It doesn't mean that I'm a, necessarily a better trader than anyone, but it's, you kind of know the reality of what works and what doesn't. Well, that is actually one of the reasons why I want you on the show, because I want you to be able to share uh, a few things down the road here in a few minutes about some of your mistakes. I want to learn from, from your mistakes because I'm a big believer in learning from others' mistakes. I make a lot. I'm like you. Me and you are very similar. We both make a ton of mistakes. Yeah. However, and that's, you know, that's good. It's experience. It keeps me humble. It keeps me moving forward. However, I feel like if I can learn from others and not make those, then I'll, that gives me some room to make some other mistakes. I can avoid some of the ones that you made. And so hopefully you'll be sharing those in a little bit. But before I get to those, I want you to give us a little bit of background. Tell us where you are, how you got started, and how you are where you're at today. Well, I graduated from DePaul University in the early 1980s, which dates me back to the you know, horse and buggy before the invention of cars. Just joking, a long time ago. 
when I graduated, I was a finance major and I took a course by a recently retired professor on options. And DePaul University, the downtown campus was maybe three or four blocks from the CBOE, one exchange, the CBOT, Chicago Board of Trade, another exchange. So CBOE is the Chicago Board of Options Exchange, Chicago Board of Trade, and Chicago Mercantile. So I'm sitting in this classroom, and there's three of the major exchanges in the United States within five blocks. And I didn't know that, but he presented this options course, and I knew with finance degree, I didn't want to sit in a bank and wear a suit. That was like my fear in life. And so he told me about this universe of option trading. It seemed kind of neat. It seemed fun. And so I eventually got a, through that, got a job uh, working as a, they call it a runner. There's really only three jobs at the seed in most exchanges. You're a runner, which is basically an errand boy. Then you're a clerk, which is an apprentice for a trader. And then if they like you, uh, you become a trader. And so I uh, worked for a few people. And then I ran into, in the 1980s, I worked with a John Nigerian, who was on CNBC Fast Money quite a bit. And eventually his brother Pete came on. He was in pro football. And I trained Pete. Pete's a regular every day on CNBC Fast Money. And so I had the privilege of working with them for, I don't know, 20 years, 15, 20 years at the CBOE. I don't know if I answered your question, but... <laughs> well, the question was where you where you started. And so, yeah, this is good. You're getting me reminiscing, Casey. So, so <laughs> keep me going in the right direction. Oh, right. yeah. Always moving forward, right? But uh, yeah. it's good to look back so that we can uh, see where we've been. Otherwise, we don't, we're not satisfied with our... Yes. Me, I'm like, oh man, I got to accomplish goals, got to accomplish goals. But then I forget, I just traveled 20 miles. I should be a little bit thankful for what I just yes, did. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's really cool. So you were trading. So you started as a runner and then you moved your way up to, what was the other one? The uh, the apprentice? Yeah, I was a clerk for a couple gentlemen. One gentleman, his name was Daniel Don, made a big impression on my life. I had a couple key people who kind of taught me, you know, you don't make any money when you when you go down to the CBOE. That's the nice thing why there's not, you know, as many people as you would think because you come out of college and you think, oh, I deserve to make X amount of money. And then you come down to the exchanges, they don't care whether you have a Harvard degree or you just got out of prison. You're lucky if you're getting minimum wage. You know, I was making maybe 500 bucks a month and you're learning a craft. So you have to believe, hey, I like doing this. You know, I would tell my dad, my dad was a Chicago policeman. He's like, what are you doing? You know, you go to college and you're making, no, I said, dad, people look like they're making a living doing this. I like doing this. This is my passion. So I worked with a couple gentlemen before John Nigerian, one Peter Michaels, one Daniel Don, who was a son of one of the biggest restaurant suppliers in the country, Edward Don and company, probably if you ever, you know, it's funny, if you ever go to a restaurant or anywhere, most of the stuff in there is from the Edward Dan company, whether it be the urinal or whatever. So I worked for them and they had a big impact on me. But the majority of the time I worked with John Nigerian and that's where I learned pit trading. So you went from uh, the runner to the clerk to trader. And were you saying that uh, John was your initial mentor uh, when you yeah. were a trader? Initial mentors were this Peter Michaels and Edward Don. And when I was with Edward Don, I had contact with 
someone that he was working with, two of the top teachers in the options industry for professionals for many years, two gentlemen by the name of Peter Michaels and Jim Piper. And they had a profound impact on mainly helping with upstairs trading because it was basically, you know, you could be a pit trader in the pit. What I really learned from Marty O'Connell and Jim Piper and Dan Don was how to trade upstairs, which would later help me tremendously in teaching retail traders because most traders at the CBOE or the mercantile were pit traders. And so that doesn't translate as readily into a retail trader. But my background and John Nigerian learned from the same people, Mario Cano and Jim Piper, who were like the top mentors for professional traders. But they taught us sitting in an office upstairs how to put trades on, manage different trades together. So that was an immensely helpful in developing the foundation that I could pass on to retail traders. Whereas if I only had that pit experience, being in a pit, that doesn't translate as well for retail traders. So when you, we look at the difference between when you first started and where you're at today, nowadays it's kind of most people are just working on their own. They're sitting behind their computer. They're at home. They're looking at a screen. It's just them and the screen. What are some of the key differences that you have noticed from then to now? For the retail trader or myself? For both. What I miss tremendously, Casey, is I love people and I'm a people person. And so being in the pits, you had some of the best characters in the history of civilization. Every day was you're dealing with characters and it was a lot of fun interacting. And you're right when you're dealing, you know, right now I'm in my, well, also with the coronavirus, we're all stuck, but I've been working out of my house for 15 years. And so I miss that contact with people. Now, teaching via WebEx and different online services, you can do that. You know, it's funny for the retail traders, as well as myself, they love the independence that you can trade from an office, you can trade from sitting on the beach, you can trade from, you know, it's a mobile business, right? But it, you know, you, they miss the contact. You know, it's, you know, when you're in a webinar, do you get contact? Yeah, somebody chats puts it in the chat. But, you know, when you're in person, you can hug the person, you can shake the person's hand, you can have a cup of tea or something. And I think for the retail traders, what they like is the independence of it. If you open a Jimmy John's restaurant, look at the overhead. For trading, there's no overhead other than having the capital to trade with, right? You just open a brokerage account and you trade. But I think the key is learning the craft. There's so much out there in the world of education. And I think people end up going from, you know, this thing to that thing when really the focus needs to be learn the craft, learn the craft, treat it like a business. And eventually you can become a craftsman if you approach it right. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience, sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, 
how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. As far as trading all by yourself and being behind the screen, and I'm going to hit this a little bit, just kind of what you're saying, just want to get a different angle versus actually working with a trader. Do you think that traders are at a disadvantage, especially because there's 50 million videos online? There's like a, I would say there's probably an overabundance of information and you're, you don't have that interaction with someone that can actually guide you. And that's probably one of the reasons why you're doing your mentoring now. Yes. When I started shared and mentoring, we were one of the first, if not, as far as people really focusing on the one-on-one -on -one with options mentoring. And the reason I started that maybe 2004, I think Casey was, I just modeled it after exactly how we did it. When I was with Mercury Trading and the Nigerian Brothers, I did a lot of the training for the folk. And all I did when I came in retail was basically duplicated that because it's very difficult to come into trading when there's real money on the line and most aren't going to make it. And the reason they're not going to make it isn't because it's hard or easy. It's because you're playing with live money and you're learning, you're losing a lot, and then you get discouraged. And so it's important that they get a good foundation and learn things the right way. And it takes, you know, basically takes a lot of discipline, but, you know, people get started on the wrong foot. You know, like you mentioned, Casey, there's a, a wide array of education and most of it is big headlines, right? You can make this amount of money, you know, you can make 200% in a minute, you can do this and everything's directional, right? Going for the home run. And, and, and we try to teach, run it as a business. Start from that angle. And, you know, as I talk about, you have kind of three buckets, bucket of an investor, bucket of maybe a speculator, income trader, and where the different trades fit in. And you're running it like a structure a bit. So I try to give people a framework of where they put this thing together, where trades fit in, how to allocate dollars. And once you have this kind of business structure, then it's just a matter of whatever the strategy that fits what you're doing, you know, it's pretty basic, right? If To get good, whether it be a credit spread or whether it be a long call or a long put, the only way you become a craftsman with these individual strategies is doing 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 times, but doing them the right way. You know, practice does not make perfect. Correct practice, right? Makes right. better. And so I think it's really, you know, we do a lot of different trades with some weird names like butterflies and backspreads and calendars and credit spreads. But it really comes down to, you know, for us, we try to focus on jack of all trades. You know, you hear the expression, jack of all trades, master of none, right? And so we focus on somebody learning two or three strategies and getting very, very good at them.
and that's it. And, and your goal with each strategy is to get to the point where you're generating two, three, four thousand a month on a particular strategy. And then if you want to add a couple more, but again, it's that craftsman discipline type philosophy. Leadership is the most important element when it comes to successful investing. That's why each week of the Finance and Markets newsletter, we highlight a CEO who has created tremendous growth through outstanding leadership. Get the next growth superstar story by going to the link in this episode's description to subscribe. I wanted to hit your one comment about buckets because I, I think I knew what you were talking about, but I'm not sure. Are you talking about perhaps different pools of money for different types of strategies? Like let's say when you said income or speculation, would like speculation maybe be a little bit more aggressive and you have a small money allocated towards that? And then if that account grows, then you maybe roll it over into a safer type uh, account? Let me give you a mental picture. So so let's say, Casey, you, you come to me and say, hey, Dan, you know, I've got 50K that I want to throw into options. And I, and I just, for me, because I've traded options my whole life, I don't really trade much stock. It's okay to trade stock. You say, Dan, why don't you trade stock? Well, because I've been tainted by trading options. Options are a vehicle that you can use and simulate something with stock, but much cheaper. So you say, Dan, why don't you trade stock? It's too stinking expensive, right? I can sim, you know, if you buy a hundred shares of, let's say Apple is, $265. Well, to buy 100 shares costs 26500 right? And if you had the Casey $50,000 portfolio, we buy 100 shares, we don't get a whole lot left, do we? Right. You, could, you make one trade. That's it. Right. So so you buy, you know, Casey buys 100 shares of Apple at 26500 It goes up a dollar. Casey makes $100 on 26500 that's not a great return. It's not horrible, but can you simulate 100 shares of stock at a much cheaper price? Yeah, you can buy an in-the-money call option that will come close to simulating 100 shares of stock at a much cheaper price, right? You might buy an option that, let's say you buy an option in Apple instead of spending 25600 you buy an option for... I'm just throwing this number out there for, let's say, $20, and it has an 80 delta. Instead of buying 100 shares and at $25,000, and if Apple goes up a dollar from its current price, you make 100 bucks on 25000 you can buy an in-the-money option, in-the-money call option, where the strike, for example, if Apple is at 200 right now, Apple is at, let's say, two. I'm going to round this off to make it easier math, 250 so Apple's at 250. And let's say I buy an option at the 200 strike in the calls. That would be when the strike price is under the current price, it'd be in the money. And let's say for that option I paid for it's $50 in the money. Let's just say I paid 60 bucks, right? Well, right off the bat, that's $6,000, much less than the stock. And there's a metric called Delta. And, and again, that can get confusing, but just for now, Casey, let's let, let's say delta means stock equivalent. Let's keep it simple. Okay. Delta stock equivalent. So if I bought this 
with Apple at 250. If I bought one 200 call, let's say three months out, and I paid, you know, it has an intrinsic value, the stock minus the strike of $50, and there's some time premium. And we're in a crazy environment now, so there's more time premium. So if there's an intrinsic value of $50, the stock minus the strike, let's throw another $10 of premium on there. So let's say I pay $60 and it has a delta of 80. Again, delta meaning stock equivalent. So now let's go back. This option has a delta of 80. What does it mean in English or Spanish? All it means is if the stock goes up a dollar, I make 80 bucks. But I make 80 bucks on capital of, let's say, 6,000. So it comes down to would I like to make 80 bucks on 6,000 or would I like to make $100 on 26,000 or something, right? And that's kind of the basic premise of why somebody might consider buying an option versus stock. But going real quick back to your three buckets. So if Casey came to me and said, Dan, I've got $50,000, how can I manage it in options? What would I do? And so we would start by saying, okay, Casey, all trades are going to fall into one of three categories. Number one, the view of an investor. And, and two of these three boots are in the book. I, I found this out. I didn't, I didn't pattern it after that. But the gentleman that taught Warren Buffett, I think the book was the something speculator. Uh, I forget his name. Anybody could find that. The gentleman that most influenced Warren Buffett. He broke it down into two types of traders, a speculator, which I call spec speculator. And that's, hey, Casey thinks something's going up over the next hour or next month. And short term, I would guess, or it could be a little longer term, but you're betting on a direction speculator versus investor says, Casey says, you know what? I've got a five-year-old child. He's going to college in 13 years. I think, you know, Costco's a wonderful company. Every time I go there, my wife and I, we wait in line. It's crowded. I'm going to buy 100 shares of stock or something like that in the money option for my, and leave it there for 13 years till my son's going to college and it should be worth more. I like Costco. That's an investor, right? Investor a little more long term. Right. Back when Graham wrote the book, there were no options trading. So, uh -huh. I, so you have this boot of speculator. I think the market's going up or down. A directional opinion, it could be based on charts. You have the investor that's more, hey, I like Apple over the next four years. I'm going to intentionally put on a, you know, like a covered right, cash secured put, long stock. You know, that's the boot of an investor. The boot of a speculator is, hey, I think it's going up. I'm going to buy a call. I think it's going down by a put. And then the third boot which I focus a lot on are strategies based on range bound probabilities and time decay more after the example of an insurance company. Range bound trades with weird names, but iron condors and butterflies and calendars, but forget the name. They're just range bound strategies where probabilities are in my favor, time decay, more non-directional. So based on what's going on in the market right now, how prices are moving, the volatility, and a few other indicators, we may allocate, okay, Casey's got 50,000, based on where the market is today and where the VIX is and different things, how much of Casey's 50 would we put in each part of that portfolio? What strategies would, would we do? And now you have a very simple plan where you might be trading two, three strategies, but you know 
how much capital you put in and stuff. So you have to start 30,000 feet up in the airplane. Whereas most retail traders, Casey, the biggest mistake they make, they'll see a webinar on something, credit spreads. They barely know what an option is, but now they're trading credit spreads, right? They don't know where it fits in their, their goals, their allocation. They just, boom. And so to me, it's important to bring them, you know, big picture perspective, how are you going to run this business, right? And then learn the craft, learn the different strategies. So there's a process. And so your primary focus has been options. Like you said, you like it better than stocks because of the pricing. Do you think that trading options has a few additional risks involved because of certain things like time decay and maybe just the learning curve is a little stronger in order to get a hang of it? Yes and no. I think... I've been working with retail traders for 15 years. So you, the great thing is you learn from being with people, right? I've learned to be a more effective teacher because people say, Dan, this doesn't work. I don't get it. Okay, if this doesn't work, well, how do I tweak it, right? So you, you, you make things simple. So we just trade a few things, very simple for retail traders because that's all I've worked with. But in terms of the question, stocks versus options are options and additional risk. There's two things that go on. Yes and no is my answer. I don't mean to give you the... No, that's, that makes sense. I, I answer like that all the time. The answer is options were made as a risk management tool. So the whole concept of options are they're tremendously in one aspect less risky than stock. You think about it. Over the last month or month and a half, you're long stock, right? And at one point, the market was down, SPX was down 30% off its highs of 3,300 uh, just a few weeks ago, it was at 2,200. Now we're rallying now uh, because the coronavirus cases, it, it seems to be some hope and there's less projections of deaths. But when we were at 2,200, we're down over 30% off its highs. If you're just long stock, you're like, oh, what about those retirement plans? Oh my, right? Right, yeah. And so options were made to reduce risk. Our is stock easier to conceptually understand? Yeah, but options aren't, you know, you don't need to be a Rhodes Scholar, you know, and again, it's just, there's some simple things, but I think the combination of options with stock makes it much easier and much less risk. I think the bridge, Casey, that people come into options, most of my students that come into options, they come from stocks, right? And they start with the basic strategy. I'm long stock. A stock is going up at a very slow pace. Let's say I have a dividend, a stock that pays a good dividend. And, and we have a lot of students that trade stocks. So there's nothing wrong with that. But let's say a stock's going up like a Microsoft or a Johnson & Johnson historically or Procter & Gamble. They're going up, but not at record pace. And you say, hey, what if I buy stock? Well, what if the stock doesn't go up that much? What if it's more neutral to barely up for the year? How could I get more income? And so the concept of selling a call, right? Stock is at 200 Apple or stock, let's say Apple's at 250. And I sell a strike price above the stock price at, let's say, 270. Stock's at 250. I sell a 270 call at, I'm just making this up, $2. And the duration of the call is 30 days. So if in the next 30 days, if the stock 
is at 250, does not go through that 270 strike, I collect my premium. And let's say I sold it for $2, I get $200. So in stocks that aren't moving up really fast, Covered Right has been a very, probably the most popular retail strategy out there for stock owners to sell a call to get a little more income. Now, you don't normally in a covered right want to be in a stock like, you know, a new hot stock, like a Zoom. You know, Zoom has gone up because everybody's at home doing online meetings. You know, if a stock goes up 50% in a month, like Zoom did, and you sell a, a call a little bit out of the money when the strike price is above the stock price, you could lose on that right? You could lose on the short call. You don't lose on the trade because you have long the stock. But anyways, a short call has probably been two popular strategies and they both basically have the same risk graph. A covered right where you're buying a stock at 250, selling a call at 270. And then one of the more popular strategies, the same graph, which is even simpler to understand, something that Warren Buffett, Michael Dell, Dell Computers, many other people have done a lot. It's just a selling a put, a cash-secured put. Conceptually, to me, that's even easier. So the stock is at $100, and somebody says, you know what? Stock's at $100. I like XYZ stock at $100 for the next four years for Susie's College. But you know what? I'd like some income. So what I'm going to do is every month, the stock is at 100. I'm going to sell this 90 a put out of the money. So when the strike price is below the price of the underlying stocks at 100, sell a 90 put for a dollar in a stock you like. And I'm going to do it every month, right? That's what Buffett and these guys every month. And you're selling puts in stock you like. So it serves two functions. I'm selling a put at a dollar. So every time, every month where the stock doesn't go through 90, which most months it won't, I collect my premium. So I'm getting a income every month. And then I also have this built-in mechanism. If the stock goes down, I've created a mechanism to buy stock in a stock I like seven to 10% lower than the current price. So in our little example here, stocks at 100, I'm selling a put at the 90 strike for a dollar. Gives me the right to sell the stock at 90 at that price, at that strike price, 90. And so if it goes down under 90, right? I mean, to buy, to buy the stock. If it goes under 90, I'm obligating myself to buy the stock, right? Stocks at 100. I'm obligating myself to buy a stock that I like at 100, to buy it at the strike, 90, less the premium of a dollar at $89. So I, I say to you, Casey, do you like this stock at 100? I love it at 100. Would you like it at 89? Silly question. Of course I would. So you're getting a really, you're making premium on a stock you want to buy. And if it goes down, you get it at an even discount. That's what Warren Buffett and Michael Dell think about it. You know, you hear about companies buying back stock. Well, a lot of these companies are selling puts, right? Right. Because if you like a stock, the selling the puts gives you income, right? You're selling puts every month. A lot of these guys would sell thousands of these things. So they're making a great income every month. And if it goes down, 
you're creating a mechanism to buy stock at a lower price. Okay, this is actually getting me very interested in trying this. <laughs> I want to know what happens if it goes up, if yeah, the price uh, of stock goes up. And again, let me just shift back a second. Okay. Where does, we're talking about covered right, you know, buying a stock at 100, selling a call at 110. And we're talking about also selling stocks at 100, selling out of the money, put at 90. So we're talking about these strata. Where do they fall in? Going back to my three boots, this goes in the, the boot of an investor. We call it long portfolio. So these would be, I'd say to Casey, I'd say, Casey, you got a bunch of kids. You know, he says, Dan, you know what? Eight years, I'm going to need some more money for college. So what you would do is say, okay, these are three stocks I like. You know, Microsoft, Costco, whatever. I like them over the next five years. So every month, I'm going to sell. If XYZ stock is 100 and that's what Casey likes, I'm going to sell a put at the 90 strike every month. So I'm going to get income. And if it goes lower, I'll buy the stock. But these are in the long portfolio. This is the view of an investor, like your retirement account. That's where these come in. And let's remember, are these bearish trades or directional? No, they're neutral or bullish, right? And yeah. so, but interesting enough, Casey, in this part of the portfolio, neutral or bullish, it's shared in mentoring myself. A month and a half or two months ago, we were urging students in the investor boot, the long portfolio, which we would normally be about 50 to 60%. We were 20%, right? Why? Did I know that the market was going to go down in the coronavirus? Of course not. I don't know any more than you guys do. Right. But I knew that we were at very high levels. I knew that we were up 30% last year. I knew that we were in an eight-year bull market. And so with the market at high levels, SPX 3300, we were still doing some of these strategies that I'm talking about with Casey, but much less allocation. So maybe in normal times, three months ago, Casey's doing selling five out of the money puts every month. But as of last month, we would cut Casey to one, right? Or possibly two contracts. Why? As the market gets higher and higher and higher, right? You might want to back off a little bit, less allocation, right? If you think it could be going down. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app, or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. So you're selling a put. If the price continues to go up, what happens to that? Do you have to give the premium back? Do you lose, lose right, so your investment? Good point. So if you sell a put every month on a stock you like and the stock goes up, every month Casey's getting a check, right? Right. It's like he's, a, he's getting a pension. That's a bad analogy, but he's getting a check every month. But so the plus is, as it goes up, Every month, he's just collecting the paycheck, right? Okay. He's every month, he's getting it. The negative is, if the stock goes up too much, you're limited to what you can get to the premium. Because if the stock 
sword, right? Sword. Let's take an example, Zoom, which is not normally something you would do a covered right or cash secured put. It's not, you know, you're looking more for stable companies, but Zoom went up 50% in a month. Well, obviously that's an outlier, right? Most stocks don't go up 50% in a month, but Zoom, when it went up 50% in a month, if Casey sold an out of the money put at $5, he'd collect the entire premium, but Casey would call me up on the phone and say, Dan, if I would have owned the stock or just owned an in the money call, I would have made a bushel basket. Right. But you still made money. So you can't get too upset because no, you no, made no, your no. collected the premium. It's an easy process. All you're doing yeah. is every month you're selling a put, you're selling an out of the money put, and that's it in stocks you like. And then maybe once a year when the stock goes down or more, <laughs> if you judge the last five weeks, right? if the stock goes down, you have a mechanism to buy stock at a lower price. Now, you don't have to buy the stock. You can close out the put. And just take the loss on the difference. Take the loss on the trade. Yeah, and there's different ways we do it. I mean, what I try to do with the options is, again, a very popular strategy is a cash-secured put. So Casey stocks at 100 going to sell a put at the 90 strike for a dollar. And as long as the stock doesn't go through that 90 strike, Casey collects the whole amount. But cash secure just means if Casey's going to do this, the brokerage firm is going to say, Casey, you can sell that put at a dollar, right? Uh-huh. Here's the problem. You have to have enough capital in your account to buy 100 shares of that stock, right? Right. Well, again, if the stock is $250- like you got to have a chunk of money. <laughs> so what I do- I call it a cash-secured put alternative. What I do is say, okay, Casey's selling a put it at a dollar. The 90 put at a dollar with the stock at 100 in our visual example. How can we reduce the capital that he has to put up and still have a great trade or a great yield, a much better yield? So the answer is buy a put against it. So if you're selling a put for a dollar at the 90 strike, with XYZ at 100, go buy a 70 put against it, right? At 10 cents. So if you're selling a 90 put for a dollar, go buy a lower strike put at the 80 or 70 strike for 10 or 15 cents for a small amount of money. And then you turn it into something called a put credit spread. So again, a visual example, stocks at 100, Casey sells the 90 put for a dollar, he buys the 80 put for 20 cents, right? He sells the 90 put for a dollar, buys the 80 put for 20 cents. So now he has a put credit spread on, right? He bought the 80 put, sold the 90 put, right? 80 cents. So he brings in $80. And his risk is, right, in terms of putting up capital is the difference in the strikes. He bought the 80 put, sold the 90 put. So he has $1,000 of risk less the $80 credit, so $920. So instead of putting up $25,000, his maximum capital is $920, right? So selling a put for a dollar without any hedge against it, you're going to have to put up $20,000, right? Right. But yeah. just buying a little put for $0.20 cents reduces your capital tremendously. So little tricks like this to make it more palatable 
for a retail trader. And that's what we try to help with. So that's actually some great training. So hopefully everyone that was listening was paying attention and writing some notes. You can always listen to it again. However, there is only so much we can learn in one conversation. And so <laughs> if someone wants to learn more about uh, your mentoring and your training, where can they go and what should they get started with? Yeah, Casey, they could just go to SheridanMentoring.com. And at Sheridan Mentoring, you'll see on the front page different things. And one exciting thing we have going now is we have a special for $47 for one month where you can come in and taste our cooking, which translates into maybe two or three hours of live content a day. It's all recorded. If you're working, you can watch it when you get home or on a weekend. And generally during that period, uh, myself and my uh, other mentors will put on mostly live trades. And if you're working, we generally send an email out here. Here's what we did today. But what would be wonderful, if you're interested in learning the right way to run an options business, you're going to get education, you're going to get live trades, you're going to get risk management, but you're going to learn how to put it together. So it's not just somebody puts on your plate, you know, somebody brings over to Casey's house, all these ingredients for food and everything, and doesn't give context of, okay, what do you do with this, right? And we're going to show you how to put this together, and you can watch for a month. So $47 for two or three hours a day, and you'll be in this community of live traders, and we'll be teaching you how to put this options business together. It's very hands-on because there's it's not just we put live trades on and we leave it to yourself to figure it out. We're saying, okay, here's why we're doing this. Here's what we're doing. Here's how we're doing it. Here's how we manage it. Here's the allocation, blah, blah, blah. So I think it'd be a great opportunity to learn the craft and learn options education, no matter whatever level you're at. I agree. And I think that there's a lot to learn. So it just makes sense to learn from somebody like you, who's really got the experience and uh, loves teaching and loves helping people out. And just want to say thank you for being on the show and thank you for doing what you do every day. It's helping a lot of people from uh, making a lot of mistakes. So that's a really good thing. So thank you so much for doing that. Oh, thanks for having me, Casey. I appreciate it. And so everyone that's listening, if you have any interest in creating some safe strategies where you can get some consistent revenue and you're interested in learning and you want to put in the work and you really think that it'd be something that you could do, then go check out Dan's site at DanSheridanMentoring.com. You know, if anybody had any questions or they just want to ask something or they want to talk, just send me an email at Dan at SheridanMentoring.com and I'd be happy to get back to you. Dan at SheridanMentoring.com. Thanks. Excellent. And thank you. And that's it for today. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, please reach me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. At Thank you.
Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.